So you lost an hour of sleep, so we just, we're occasionally going to just have, like, bombs exploding. Just so you keep you awake. Can we welcome our American Fork campus? Hello, American Fork. Um, also, I send greetings from my boss, bosses, my district supervisor, Bill and Beth Cheney. You met them last week. Um, I'm happy to tell you that they're not going to fire me, so despite my sermon. Um, so, and also, if you're not on social media, I'll just let you know that I became a grandmother for the second time on Friday. Yes. So that was awesome. And um, I'm completely deprived of sleep. So if I say anything uh, questionable or confusing or offensive, I'll just blame it on that, okay? It's not me. That was a joke. Speaking of offensive, um, last week I, I mentioned dating websites. So I just want to apologize. If you met your spouse or significant other on a dating website, I am not judging you in any way. I'm not saying that dating websites are bad. Maybe just not for me, but I just want you to know that um, if I offended you, I apologize profusely because I've met a lot of people actually that met on dating websites. I don't know the names of them, but <laughs> I've heard. So anyway, today um, we've been going through <laughs> Genesis, and I realized this week that we're only halfway through. Um, it's a, a series we've been doing called uh, Genesis to Jesus, Finding Jesus in the Old Testament, and I've really enjoyed this. I've learned so much just through my studies. Um, but we're going to have to kind of ramp it up a little bit and because we have another series that's going to be starting right after Easter, Easter's, which is um, the Beatitudes, the teachings of Jesus, living the teachings of Christ in the 21st century. So it's going to be a really practical series. Um, having gone through this, we've been going through it pretty rigorously. Uh, I'm going to just touch on a, a specific character today called Jacob. And I entitled this, uh, Jacob, A Story of Grace. Because when you hear about him, you're going to think, wow, that is a story of grace. Because Jacob is included, he's Abraham's grandson. So whenever it talks about, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What do you guys know about Jacob? This is the interactive part. What do you know about Jacob? Throw out some facts. He was a twin. Uh-huh. He was a liar. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? I'm sorry? Had a hitch in his step. Yeah, he had a broken hip. What else? He wrestled with God. Had a broken hip. Yep. His name was changed to Israel. You guys are good Bible scholars. What else? Oh. <laughs> He's a lousy dad. <laughs> he was a mama's boy. He was probably a foodie. He probably would have watched the Food Network. Nothing. He liked to stay home with his mommy and cook and hang out. He was a quiet guy. What else? I don't want to go there. He asked if he had a prostitute. I'm like, I, 
Okay, he was a polygamist. What else? What else? Yeah, he had, he had his servant wives, which I was like, wow, what a title. Hi, I'm a servant wife. I'm special. <laughs> what else do we know about him? I'm sorry? Yeah, he was born after. He was the twin that was born three minutes later. Okay? Yeah, he, he manipulated things in his own favor. He was a swindler and a conniver and a deceiver. And the Bible says that he, his name actually means supplanter. And the definition of supplanter, he was a supplanter and a deceiver from the very beginning. From the time he was in his mother's womb, he was a wrestler and a conniver. A supplanter is one who takes the place of another as through force, scheming, strategy, or the like, to replace one thing by something else. And we're going to talk about that today. I call this a story of grace because <clears throat> when, we, when we get into this, and I will warn you right up front, today's message is pretty heavy. We're going to get into some pretty deep theology I'm going to try to limit my comments and let the Holy Spirit massage it into your hearts. But if you could just pray with me and for me. Well, Lord, you know how humbled and intimidated I am to bring your word. Father, I thank you that you are all-powerful and that you are all-knowing and you are good and you are sovereign and you're omniscient and you're omnipresent. Lord, and you are a God of love. Your love is everlasting, God. And I pray this morning that that would be the message, that everything that is spoken this morning would be filtered through your love. Lord, I pray that you would massage this word into people's hearts. Lord, you would make your word come to life. God, that you would speak. Lord, we are your servants and we're listening. And we welcome your voice above all others. I pray that as I, as I bring this message, Lord, you would give me the words to speak. Direct me, Lord. Guide me. Not my will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 25. If you remember last week, we talked about Rebecca and how um, they, they brought her back and she married Isaac and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Not really. Um, she struggled with infertility. And so here, starting in verse 20, uh, chapter 25, verse 21, it says, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. How's that for a pro-life message? So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? Isn't this just typical? You cry out and cry out and cry out for something, and then you're like, why are you doing this to me? Like, for those of you who are single for a long time, and then you get married, and you're like, oh, this sucks, right? <laughs> for those of you who are single, that's, they don't really say that. But isn't it true? 
we cry out for something and then we don't, it doesn't turn out the way we think it should. And then we're all frustrated and upset and we question God, right? I think this is going to be my Mother's Day message. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> because I think all moms have asked that at one time or another, right? Anybody? Am I the only one? Yes. One, we have one mother in the house who's asked that question. It says, and the Lord told Rebecca, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. Okay, this is a little aside here. They didn't have ultrasounds back then. So she didn't know for sure she was going to have twins. She just kind of had to find out when they were born. But you can bet there were people coming up to her saying, Wow, you're huge. <laughs> wow, when is that baby due? You know, I just want to tell you after having gone through it with my daughter-in-love and my daughter just in the last month, the only acceptable thing to say to a woman who is pregnant is, you look so beautiful. Okay? Yeah, can I get an amen? <laughs> don't say anything else. Don't comment on her size. Don't comment on how far she is past her due date. Don't Just don't. Just say, you look so beautiful. Okay? Agreed? Okay, good. Moving on. So she had twins. Well, the first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. They named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Imagine that. 60 years old having your first kids. So aren't they cute up there? Oh. Imagine those two wrestling in the womb. I mean, the one's not hairy enough, so that's not an accurate depiction. I couldn't find actual footage, but um, imagine these, these babies are wrestling in the womb. So now my, my daughter just had an extremely long labor, and I was there, and it was beautiful and spiritual and precious and amazing, and I got to share it with her her mother in love and it was it was really really profound and just an amazing experience and um so i was thinking about rebecca here um having these babies and kind of what that would have been like in those days because there wasn't all the medical intervention you know the monitors where they can tell how the baby's heart rate is and all that. It was just, you go into the tent and hope you don't die, pretty much. That was kind of what childbirth was. They just, it was a pretty tenuous thing. And so I was kind of looking for a picture that would kind of depict that. And, and so this is what I found. Um, that's the picture of the childbirth. So, so you can see there's Rebecca there and the, some big babies, right? She's, he's holding his heel and there they're giving birth to the baby. I love the Lego pictures. So anyway, um, so these twins were wrestling. And John pointed out to me after first service, it's like, even at that point, Jacob was contending for something. He was wrestling. He was a fighter. 
And even though we went about things the wrong way, we are going to see the hand of God. We are going to see the grace of God and the sovereignty of God in his story. But first we have to go into a passage of scripture that I, I must confess I have wrestled with. But, you know, whenever we argue with God, whenever we differ with God or we think that somehow he did something that wasn't right, we are always wrong. Do you know that? No matter what your heart tells you, what your emotions tell you, God's word is God's word, and it is true. So Romans chapter 9. This is a difficult, difficult section. Starting with verse 10, it says, This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born... Before they had done anything, good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad. Okay, going back. Before they were born, before they had done anything, anything, either good or bad. She received a message. The message, message shows God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of scriptures, this is the Lord. I love Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Actually, some translations say, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. And I looked up the original word for this, and it means to despise or to love less or to hate. In the original language, you can see why I wrestled with this, right? Because it is so ingrained into us to think that somehow we are called because we did something right. Or we made that right choice for Jesus. Or we invited Jesus to come into our hearts and that's why God called us. No, the Holy Spirit woos us. It is even God that initiates that relationship. It is God who calls us and we argue with him about this and we wrestle with him about this because somehow we have a really hard time believing that it isn't because of us. It isn't because of the good or bad that we've done. Do you see this? I know it's, it's really hard to understand. It's hard to digest. This has actually been debated for centuries. This has divided the body of Christ with the two different views on what this actually means. I know that it's difficult, but when we see this in light of the fact that God is sovereign, that God is almighty, and that he does all things well. Moving on, it says in verse 14, are we saying then that God was unfair? Doesn't it seem like that's unfair? It says, of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. 
So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. Verse 19, well, then you might say, well, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have the right to use them? Use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. Hallelujah. It says, he does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we, we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. Man, people are leaving in droves. I wonder if I said something. <laughs> this is hard to understand, isn't it? But who are we to argue with God? The thing is, all this does for me is leads me to give so much thanks to God for choosing me and for calling me. And for wooing me with his loving kindness. And that his, his kindness led me to repentance. And you to repentance. That I cannot stand and say, I did the right thing. I made the right choice. I did all these things right. And that's why God was pretty much obligated to choose me. Right? That is not how it works. He is God. And as we're going to see here... Um, the second thing, the second area of Jacob's life that I want to highlight is the false blessing. Now, remember, he's the guy in the hall of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God refers to him all the time as though, you know, he is someone to look up to. But when you, when you hear his story, it's unbelievable why God would, would choose a guy like this to sh demonstrate his glory through. So if we start in uh, Genesis 27, okay, what's happening here, Rebecca showed favoritism toward Jacob. But Isaac showed favoritism toward Esau. And I think the reason is because Esau was a hunter, and so he would always go out and hunt, and he would bring back meat. And so we all know men love meat. So I think that's the reason that Isaac liked Esau better, because I think Jacob was probably making, like, Veg vegetables or whatever. And so he would bring this food back. Well, okay, so you remember sweet Rebecca, stunningly beautiful, servant, humble, kind, hardworking Rebecca that we talked about last week? She too was a bit of a conniver because what happened was she set this whole situation up so that Jacob was going to deceive his father into getting the blessing from him. 
Now, Esau was no angel either. I mean, Esau, he just pretty much flicked away his birthright. He was the oldest, so he was supposed to have all these blessings. But because of his impulsiveness, he said, give me some of that stew. I'm starving. And, and Jacob goes, I'll give you that stew if you give me your birthright. Esau's like, fine, I'm starving. Here, go ahead. I mean, that's ridiculous that he would do such a thing. But Esau was out hunting, and Rebekah set this whole thing up and told Jacob to go into his father. So she gave him a costume of like this hair, like this fur, so that he would feel like Esau. And Isaac, at this point, is, is quite a bit older. Um, some scholars have said that the boys at this point were like 76 years old, still living at home, failure to launch. But they're living at home, and... <laughs> So Jacob comes in. He brings this food to his father. He says, my father? He said, yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. Bold-faced lie. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's a liar. It's Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. See, he's just conniving. He's manipulating, deceiving, swindling, supplanting. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord put it in my path. Are you kidding me? This guy is not only a liar, he is like a big-faced liar. <laughs> Big time. The Lord put it in my path. He spiritualizes it. Jacob replied. Now, I want to point something out about Jacob here, too. Okay, so I'm kind of dissing on Jacob, but the fact is he was a conflicted man because I truly believe that he wanted to serve the Lord. I believe that he fought for it because he wanted the blessings of God. He really, truly did. He just went about it the wrong way as is evidenced in this story. So he was willing to do whatever it took. He was willing to lie, cheat, steal, swindle, manipulate, all of it. So he's saying, the Lord put it in my path. And then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So you see here, Isaac is a little suspicious because it didn't really sound like Esau because it wasn't. Verse 22, so Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau, he asked. What does Jacob do? Yes, I am. Lies. Lies about it to deceive his own dad. Now, you know I love the Proverbs because that's the book of wisdom. And in the Proverbs, it tells us six things that the Lord hates. The Bible doesn't speak of a lot of things that the Lord hates, but these are six things that he hates. Seven that he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in his family. Jacob is 
actually doing several of these things, isn't he? But the thing that struck me was the lying tongue. We live in a society where lying is not a real big deal. Not a real big deal, you know. You just, they kind of, kind of just fall out, don't they? The little white lies, there's no such thing as a little white lie. They're all big and they're all black. They're dark. Lies are all from the pit. Satan is called the father of lies. But we, we just are so quick to just lie and think it's not that big a deal. Right? Don't we? I mean, no, don't raise your hand. Isn't it so easy, though? Sometimes people set us up, though, like, do these pants make my butt look big? Like, don't do that to people. Don't force them to lie. But sometimes we just, you know, little, little lies that we tell. And next time you're tempted to lie, remember this. It's included in the list of things that the Lord hates. This is an intense thing. This is an impassioned thing. God hates lies. And yet, we're so flippant about it, aren't we? So here we have this man who is a liar, doing something that God detests, something God hates. And yet, he's striving to be blessed. He's striving to get a blessing. It's like a counterfeit blessing. This blessing was not intended for him, but because God causes all things to work together for good, according to those who love him and are called, wait, God causes all, causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So clearly Jacob was called according to God's purposes, but this whole situation brought so much strife in his life. It brought so much pain because of the way that he went about getting this blessing instead of trusting God. He, and he lied about it. And yet God still chose him. And he still chose to use him to bring about his glory. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But for now it says, Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it. Then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. Does this sound familiar? Who's another person who used a kiss to, to betray someone? Judas. And now I want you to think about this in light of this, these difficult passages. How many of you think that what Judas did was okay? He betrayed the Son of God with a kiss. He was one of the 12 disciples. He had walked with Jesus for three years, and yet he outed Jesus in the garden with a kiss. He betrayed him with a kiss. Horrible, right? I want you to think about something, though. If that had not happened, Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross to pay for our sins. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. 
God is in charge. He is in control. He's called the blessed controller. And even when we mess up, and even when we do things the wrong way, even when we just lie and deceive and betray and all of these things, God's kindness continues to lead us to repentance. And as we go on in this story, after we read about this, the blessing, we're going to talk about how Jacob wrestled with God and how God used it to change him and how we too wrestle with God at times and how God wants to use that to change us, to make us more and more in his image and to bless us because that's his goal. Because God, I believe sincerely that God wanted to bless Jacob. I really believe that, but I know that the way that Jacob went around it was he just went on this long detour. Okay, it says, Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. And he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your fathers or your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. So here we have Jacob is receiving this blessing that was intended for the firstborn, He was a deceiver, a manipulator. He was selfish, a swindler, rebellious. He was conflicted. He wanted to serve God, but he loved himself so much that he did all these things that were contrary to God's law. He was a liar. And here is the good news, that we too are deceptive and manipulative and selfish and swindlers, and rebellious, and conflicted, and liars. And yet, God calls us. That's the gospel. Not because of works that we have done, not because of the good or the bad that we have done, but because of God's choosing. He calls us. And his desire and his longing and his yearning is to bless us. This is the grace of God. Point number three, wrestling with God for a new identity. It starts, okay, so Jacob went through a whole lot of stuff with the whole Laban story and with Rachel, and he worked and worked and worked, and then Laban ripped him off, and then he tried to reconcile with his brother and tried to make peace with Esau because he was afraid Esau was going to kill him. I mean, the guy went through a lot. He brought a lot of it on himself because there is the principle of reaping and sowing. But it says in in, um, chapter 32, verse 24, it says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Sound familiar? He is still striving for that blessing. So clearly the blessing that he received from his father was not fulfilling him because he did not go about it in the right way because he dishonored the principles and the laws at the time. 
it says, it says, what is your name? The man asked, and he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. So you see, this man was God in the flesh. This is a theophany. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. He's wrestling with Jesus. And finally, because he allowed, well, he didn't really have a say in it, but because the Lord broke his hip, it says that he won. Now, if you walk away from a fight with a broken hip, wouldn't you kind of feel maybe like you lost? I would. And don't you find it funny that they've been wrestling all night and they still haven't introduced themselves? And Jesus never ever tells him who he is. God never says, I am God. But somehow Jacob knows it because he says, I have seen the face of God, and yet my life has been spared. And so the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. So God changes Jacob's name to Israel, which means triumphant with God. Even though he walked away injured, even though he walked away with a limp, he still was called triumphant with God. Isn't that so awesome? Jacob, this loser, isn't he? I mean, he's not the kind of guy that I would have chosen to be. God's going to be glorified through this guy. But yet God in his grace and his sovereign wisdom chose him. And the thing is, I believe that we too, having been called of God, are to live a life worthy to live a life worthy of the calling, to live in such a way that we are fulfilled in every way and that we are blessed of God. And, and that this church, like that song we sang last week, like a bride waiting for her groom, will be a church ready for you. That is my desire for you, for us as a church, is that we would be a church that would desire to be blessed of God. And you know the only way you can be blessed of God? Anybody know? It's through obedience. Now, we're called, we're wooed by God. We're wooed by the Spirit of God. He draws us, but we have the choice if we want to go around that mountain over and over and over or if we want to walk in blessing. You remember that song by Laura Story, Blessings? Uh, she's basically saying that, you know, God defines blessing differently than we do. Because how many times have you gone through something difficult? Like my friend Kim that was here that was kidnapped at gunpoint by three men. And yet God delivered her. 
and all of the things that have happened as a result of that in her life, how she is now in full-time ministry, and she's on the speaking circuit, and she's, she's found this amazing husband, and she has two amazing kids. If she would have known going into it that that was going to be part of her story, she probably wouldn't have signed up for it. Right? But the wrestling with God, the finally coming to the point where we are surrendered to God is the point at which God can come in and say, I am going to bless you. Because it's the same thing, same thing with me. I believe that God is absolutely sovereign. And you know, that's the reason that I didn't ask God why when Eric died. And now, if, you, if you've lost someone in your life and you've questioned that, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, this is where I'm coming from. Is My hope is in the Lord all day long, and I know that he's good, and I know that I don't understand his ways. But I do know that it is his desire to bless the ones that he's called. He longs to pour out his blessings. He, he yearns to bless us. But his hands are tied when we're in disobedience to whatever it is that we're wrestling with him over. And, you know, we say, we say to God, we're like, why don't you bless my finances? God says, well, have you given me your first fruits? The first fruits of everything I've already given you? Do you tithe? Do you give? Or when God says, or when you say to God, I don't know why you won't bless my marriage. Well, are you functioning in the principles that God's called you to and loving your wife as Christ loved the church and women submitting to your husbands as to the Lord? Are you honoring those principles? See, God wants to bless us. And there's a passage called Blessings for Obedience in Deuteronomy 28. Now, historically, the context of this, this was for the Israelites. So I just want you to know that I am aware of that. However, the principles are still the same. We are still the people of God, and he still longs to bless us. Amen? Wait, that was weak. Amen? God is good. Say that. And he wants to bless me. Okay, so now I'm not a prosperity preacher. You know that, right? I'm not a, you know, one of the name it, claim it, and, you know, I, I believe in the, the principle of suffering. I believe that the Bible speaks a lot about suffering, and suffering is a necessary thing for us so that God can sand off the rough edges but I still maintain God longs to bless his kids. He desires to bless us. It says in Deuteronomy 28, 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Your offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. 
The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord. And they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after gods and worship them. This is the promise of God when we obey. Bay, he will bless us. I have a friend who says, your next blessing is just your, your next obedience away. It's attached. They're connected. And as Jacob or Israel struggled for his, essentially his whole life, it's interesting that the Bible still refers to him as Jacob throughout the scriptures. It goes back and forth. It calls him Israel sometimes, and it calls him Jacob sometimes. And isn't that just like us? I mean, when I think about my past and who I was, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine about this, and we were talking about how much God has changed us. But, but it's not just the sin from back then. It's the sin of today. It's the wretch that I still am, that I wrestle with this body of death, right? Romans 7, the thing I want to do, I can't do, and the thing I don't want to do, I keep doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for his glorious gift. You know, that's the thing. It's like there's those, there, there are the besetting sins, those bondages, those things that hold us captive. And I just encourage you today as you wrestle with God, allow him to break your hip. symbolically, but allow the Lord to have control of your life. We put too much dependence on ourselves and on our, our, our ability to resist sin or to say no or to get set free. The one who called you is faithful. He will do it. We are called to obey what he's told us to do and to surrender, and he will do the rest. He's a good God, and he desires to bless us. It says in 1 Timothy 6.15, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God. The blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You know, the older I get, the less I want to waste time. I say this a lot, but this is, this is the thing. I want, I'm not, I 
I want to warn you. Jesus is coming back at an unexpected time. He is coming soon. And I want to be ready. And I want you to be ready. I want us to be ready. I want the adventure to be a place where Jesus comes and says, these are my people. These are not people of compromise. These are not people who are walking in gray areas. These are black and white people sold out for me, fully surrendered to me, each and every one walking in the calling that God has placed on their life. The Bible says, warn those who are idle. If you're idle, I'm warning you. Because the Bible is so clear that when Jesus comes back, you want to have oil in your lamp. You don't want to be one of those that realizes, oh my gosh, I don't have any oil in my lantern. That's, that's my desire for you, and I know that's the Lord's desire because he longs to pour out his blessings on us. He desires that we would be completely fulfilled in him, and we, we won't find it through a blessing that's not intended for us or through counterfeit or through deceiving or manipulating or any of those things. My desire, and I believe it's the Lord, is that each one here would live, would be growing their own life in him and impacting their world, the people of inf that you have influence, that circle of influence, and that you would live your dream, the dream that God has placed within your heart. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. Can you stand with me now? For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Can you guys just, as a sign of surrender, can you just lift your hands up to the Lord? Even if you have a shoulder injury, figure it out. God, we surrender to you. You are the blessed and almighty God. You are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords. And God, we cry out. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We bless you and we thank you, God, that you desire to bless your kids. Lord, we thank you that you have drawn us with your loving kindness. And who are we to talk back to you? Who are we to argue with you? God, we accept your ways. And we're so grateful that you have called us. Lord, we are so thankful that before the foundations of the earth, you knew us. You called us by name. You prepared good works in advance for us to do. And Lord, we want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which we've received. And we bless you, Lord. We thank you. Forgive us, God, for seeking other options, looking to other things to fulfill us. Lord, for being deceptive and manipulative and selfish. God, forgive us. And we're so grateful for your grace. We're so grateful, Jesus, that you went to the cross for our sins. We cry out, God. We cry out with gratitude. We thank you and we bless your name. You can put your hands down. If there's anybody here, everybody else, keep your eyes closed. But if there is anybody here and you are not born again, you have not accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offered for your sins on the cross, you don't know him, you know you don't know him, just want to ask you to just between you and him, just slip your hand up. 
It's just a symbol that you want to know him, that you want to come into a relationship with him, that you want to, there, I see that hand, I, that you want to be blessed, that you want, you want God to pour out his blessings on you. You want to walk in fulfillment. Amen. Amen. Well, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who breaks our hip, Lord, and gives us that limp. But God, in our weakness, your power is perfected. Let us glorify you this week. Lord, let us step out in faith, those little promptings that you bring us. Let us obey right away with a happy attitude, God. And we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen.